encouraged, not burdened by the history that they create. They know what is expected of them. They are Manchester United. Listeners to another episode of the Busby Bay podcast, and uh, this is the start of our special World Cup edition. Um, I don't know, should we call it like the Busby Babe World Cup podcast or the World Cup Babes podcast? Or Nathan, what do you think? Chime in here. Nathan's here, by the way. Um, well, as a uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, you know, I, I maybe we could call it. And uh, they have a they have a song off the album Freaky Style called The Brothers Cup. So yeah, the Ooh. Busby's Cup. I like Busby's that. Cup. There we go. Yeah. The Busby Bay's Cup. The Bay's Cup. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll be workshopping that. But in the meantime, uh what's the what's the copyright law? Can we can we um end the podcast with like a little fifteen second segment of uh, the Brothers Cup? Let everybody <laughs> start their weekend with some funk. Um well, you're just giving me more editing homework to do, so I'm going to say no, because um, mm. I don't have an immediate access to a digital file of that song, but I'm sure I could make it happen. I'll consider it. Um, if if you get to the end of this podcast by the time it's posted, and I did decide to go with a Red Hot Chili Peppers outro, then uh, just know that Nathan won. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, though, we are we're here to preview the World Cup group stage. Um it feels really weird that the World Cup starts on Sunday, and um, there's a lot weird and uh, problematic about this World Cup. But uh, we're go- we're going on with it, and um, you know, it just uh, it-, it gets going on Sunday with the opener between Qatar and Ecuador, and it doesn't really stop there because um, this is a very condensed World Cup, which also makes it weird. Uh, apart from the fact that it's happening in winter, yeah. And people can't even drink during it. Yeah, well, that's um, Bud Zero, baby. This podcast yeah. is uh this podcast is presented by Bud Zero. It is not um, Bud Zero. If you're listening, is no, we're not. <laughs> we're not using your name unofficially. Um, all right. So I, I guess let's go ahead and just dive into Group A. Um, we've got the Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador, and of course the host Qatar. Um. I, I guess we'll start with Senegal don't have Sadio Mane and they found that out, um, you know, not so long ago. So this was a, a really, really big bummer for them. Um, he's their star player. And just as someone who, you know, uh, as a Manchester United fan, maybe admitting this a little bit hesitantly, but I, I really enjoyed watching the Liverpool teams with Sadio Mane and I've kind of missed watching him in the Premier League. Uh, he's been good with Bayern. He's a great player. I think you can tell that Liverpool have missed him at times this season and uh, it, it's going to suck not to watch him go to the World Cup with Senegal here, especially after you know the year that they had with winning AFCON as well as qualifying. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I hated watching him play for Liverpool because he was usually pretty successful there, but definitely a very exciting player um, to watch. Um I like that he's at Bayern now, so I can just kind of enjoy his football and not worry about any of the consequences to to what happens with Manchester United. Um, 
So I'm really, I am really disappointed to not be able to see him in the World Cup because I think, you know, it, it's one of those situations where in any other sport in a big tournament, you're like, you want to see the stars. And I think Sadio Mane is like right there as one of the premier players that would have been featured at this World Cup and various advertisements, promotions, uh, somebody that everybody wants to try and watch during the group stage where, you know, you're willing to watch Senegal play cutter because you get to watch Sadio Mane potentially have just an outrageous game. Um, so definitely, definitely a huge bummer not to see him. As far as that group is concerned, though, um, I want to be confident in the Netherlands. They're very vibey. I mean, with all the uh, Cody Gakpo hype that's been going on. uh, Isn't he neat? Yeah, he's great. Um, He's so neat. (laughs) Shout out to Carl. Could you imagine if a team could have signed him for just like 25 million euros in the summer? It seems... I think a team should try and sign him for 60 million euros in the winter because he ain't going to be uh, any cheaper than that in the summer, that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Netherlands are weird because you kind of just expect them to always be good, and they've struggled really. I mean, they, they didn't make it to the 2018 World Cup. They didn't make it to the 2016 Euros after – a 2014 run that almost took them to the final and then a, a 2010 run where you know they only lost an extra time against Spain in the final they've got a lot of really good players Virgil van Dijk defensively uh, Matthias de Ligt um, Frankie de Jong in midfield who we, we know a lot about now of course and uh, also managed by Louis van Gaal who managed them the last time they were at a World Cup in 2014 um you know, fighting cancer to to get back and coach this team as well. It, I, everyone's kind of expecting that this is going to be his last major job in the sport, um, which is bittersweet, um, as is our um, recollection of him, because his Manchester United time wasn't the best, but he he's still he's still fun, I guess we'll say. And an incredible interview. Yeah, always a good interview. Not in the big, way that... Big- yeah, like Jose Mourinho was. Like Louis Van Gaal was like legitimately funny without just trying to be an egotistical prick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's a clip god. Like every time you see a Louis Van Gaal clip on Twitter, it's just iconic. What a guy. Um, I I, I think too. Like I, you know, in a weird way, I feel this kinship now to the Netherlands, considering who our manager is and you know, the league that we've poached all these players from, like, I would, I would like to see the Netherlands do well. Um, I also, I believe I have one of the Netherlands world cup cards and FIFA ultimate team that would get upgrades if they do well. So that would be nice as well. You know, I'm going to be looking at a lot of today's podcast through the lens of which teams do I have the FIFA world cup cards? <laughs> it, which is very important to me. Um, it's the only thing that I, I, I derive joy from in my life is my my foot ultimate team. So, um, it, in the rest of that group, e- even with Senegal missing Sadio Mane, I would still think it's probably going to be one, two Senegal, Netherlands. Maybe Netherlands have the opportunity to win that group. Um, yeah. Taking taking a look at some of the recent games that Ecuador's played. Um, they haven't scored a goal in international competition since June, and that was against Cape Verde. Yeah. So 
I mean, they That's still have great and, for the vibes. They still have Enter Valencia, I think, leading the line for them. So I, I have Ecuador finishing last in this group. I think Qatar win that opener. Um, they're the only team that's going to have like true home support given, you know, the the way that the tournament is kind of structured and the fans that are able to go, et cetera. It's also just very expensive. So um, I do think that they beat Ecuador, um, who had a little bit of controversy uh, before the World Cup as well over whether they should have been qualified to make it or not uh, based on the origins of some of their players. But yeah, I, I see Netherlands topping the group and then Senegal finishing second. Yeah. Oh, and we should mention too, for those following along at home, um, I am doing a clean bracket right now from friend of the pod, Aaron Manez. He He's made a World Cup bracket uh, for the group stage. So if you guys want to, we'll, we'll put a link in the description if you guys want to follow along and do it. So I've got, I've got Netherlands top, Senegal second, Qatar third, and, and Ecuador fourth. So I'm, I'm in line with you on that one, Colin. Yeah, uh, big shout out to Aaron as well, uh, because this is very easy to just like visualize while we're recording this, that we can, you know, click and drag all these names in the group. Honestly, um, MVP of the podcast. Shout out to Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Group E. So this is the one we're probably going to spend the most time on. Um. This is this is the group. Is the it, yeah. group. The group. So, I, I mean, I want to talk about England, obviously, because England is my city, but... um. USA, this is a this is an interesting so you World said Cup. England for them. is your city. Yeah, haven't you seen that GIF? Oh. <laughs> oh, never mind that. <laughs> By that. Well, uh, yeah. So the US, this is our this is their first World Cup since 2014. A totally different transformation of the squad since then. Greg Berhalter. Um, where are where are we at in terms of? I mean, you're a USA fan. I I follow them and they're probably my second international team. Um, I'm definitely more of an England fan, but I I've been really interested in a lot of the players that have come up through this US team. I think Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, a lot of those guys are really fun, and you can tell that they're really smart players who maybe understand the game a little bit more than players of that position in previous World Cups for the US. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't always seem like they're turning good vibes into good football, um, especially tactically with Burhalter, who still has a lot of questions around him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, I'm throwing all partiality out the window. Um, I'm very excited for this World Cup. Uh, this is the most excited I've been for a World Cup in a while. I, 2014 I was special um, in, in a lot of ways to me because of the success that that team had in spite of like how old it was. And there was some really iconic American players on it that would turn out to be their last World Cup. So that was that part was exciting. And it was also the first World Cup that I could go to a bar and drink at and watch those games. So in a weird way, like that was incredibly special, too. And um, for this year, the United States, as you've already alluded to, they are an incredibly vibey team. Um, I would say probably as far as raw talent is concerned, this is probably the most um just talented squad that the U.S. is putting out. We've had a lot of guys in the past that were good players, but the difference is, if I can pull a a, a different sport reference uh, metaphor, um, the U.S. used to be the team that had all of these 
you know, fourth and fifth year seniors in the March Madness tournament that just played good fundamentals uh, basketball and could go relatively deep in a tournament just because all the guys have been playing together for like four or five years. Whereas this team is all of a sudden like a bunch of freshman phenom where you got all these guys who are super talented, uh, still probably pretty raw in a lot of those talents. They haven't necessarily refined themselves. Um, I mean, you figure DeAndre Yedlin is the only player on this team with World Cup experience. And uh, you've got Matt Turner, who just made his move to Europe, but hasn't really gotten to play for Arsenal. You've got Christian Pulisic, who is probably the most experienced uh, player in Europe. Uh, that is wearing a United States kit outside of maybe DeAndre Yedlin. Um, but his form is super weird because of the way Chelsea ha- have played. Um, and then you've got players who I'm super excited about, like Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, uh, Serginio Dest. These guys are playing for good big clubs, and they're getting minutes. Um, it, it's not like, a, it, you know, we've had players in the past. It's like, oh, yeah, they play in Europe, and that that's nice. And, you know, they get 20 appearances. But at, then they, they play for, like – someone yeah. in Norway or, yeah. or like or, Celtic. Or like, damn, shots fired to Cameron Carter Vickers. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I was about to make a joke about Tim Ream and Fulham, but um, yeah, who actually had an okay game against Manchester United. So shout out to Tim Ream. Um, I'm really excited about, about this World Cup. I would say I think Greg Berhalter is keeping the seat warm for Jesse Marsh uh, as far as the manager is concerned. Um, I, I've said periodically in our, in our group chats, uh, where it's just you, me and Polly in our group chat with Carl. Um, I think that this is an important world cup for the United States to get experience. I don't need to see I mean, I want to see them win, but I, that's like a 0.1% chance. I just want to see this team have good results. I want to see them play well, uh, maybe have a moment or two and get out of the group stage. That also feels like maybe I'm asking for a lot, but I think if you check most of those boxes or check all those boxes, then the conversation gets really exciting with the knowledge that the United States is going to be one of the co-hosts of the 2026 World Cup. And so you're going to have all this attention that's placed on the fact that you would have this really potentially successful men's national team getting ready to host a World Cup in 2026. So I think... Everything about this this one and cutter is it's the springboard for the next World Cup. So that's the way I'm approaching it, and so I'm I'm sure I'll still live and die by the games, especially if they make it to the knockout stage. But I like that I'm going in with lower expectations, and I can maybe just enjoy some of the football. Because also, I remember what 2018 was like, and I did not have, you know, I'm a sort of Germany fan because I traveled to Germany. It's my favorite country outside of the U.S., but you know, it didn't hurt me personally when they got kicked out of the group stage. It hurt me personally when the United States didn't qualify. So I, I've gone on long enough. I'm excited. <laughs> this is this is exciting. Yeah. I, I, I think, like you said, eyes are kind of on 2026 on this one. That's the one where the U.S. really wants to make a statement because it's not – necessarily like 1994 anymore where they're just like oh maybe we can be a part of this part of the global community as well this is like mls has been around 20 ish whatever years now they they've got players playing at actual top clubs in 
the Premier League as well as around Europe. You well, say for the MLS, too, they, yeah, and MLS has top, developed a lot of these players too. Outside of the top five leagues, the MLS has sent the most players to the World Cup. So yeah. it is uh, all of this is just there's a groundswell. It's it's indicative of what how the game has grown in the United States in a lot of the ways that 94 was the foundation to all of this stuff. Um, so sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> that was all good. I, I was going to say, you know, not to be a buzzkill. That all being said, I don't think U.S. makes it out of this group. I think, especially the way mm. the, the, the games are kind of structured. I think Wales is a, a tough first matchup for them. Um, mm. There's definitely an argument to me made that they're as good on paper as Wales, if not better. But Wales is a team that knows how they play. And I th- I think it's suited for these kind of games where maybe you let the U.S. try and feel things out a little bit and then hit them on the break. You've got Dan James, Gareth Bale. Um, oh, what's the Bournemouth striker's name? The really, the big dude, the big lad. They they got a big lad they can hoof it to. He's like six foot <laughs> five. Hoof it to the big lad. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a team that is carrying so much momentum as well with the way that they qualified for this World Cup, their first one in I don't even know how long. And then you've got the U.S. who have spent so much time experimenting with different players and trying to get people caps that I don't I don't even know what their best 11 would be and I'm not sure Greg Berhalter knows either um yeah I think there's I, the, a, the part the yeah. part that makes me real nervous about the U.S. is I don't know who's going to play striker that excites yeah. me you know like do do I am I really going to have to root for Josh Sargent who plays for Norwich City um <laughs> to to get goals especially considering the last couple world cups that the u.s have been a part of you had landon donovan or you had at least Quinn dempsey you had and chris wandelowski uh you had you had guys like you know you had josie you were, for that one game <laughs> yeah you you knew when they were up top like you knew what you were getting i you know there was the ricardo pepe hype train for a long time in the summer he was not named to the squad for reasons I don't understand. Um, and they, they took Haji Wright over him, didn't they? Who is he's only played like a few caps, but has experience playing with some of these players before. He's been through kind of the U.S. youth developmental teams, and it 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 just always seemed like it was going to be a squad selection that puzzled people because we've seen so many players come through and either look okay or good under Burhalter, yep. and he's just. He's trying to find anyone whose grandmother was in the U.S. at some point to to try and claim and get caps for, um, which is understandable because this this was a big project to try and rebuild this team. They literally like that last 2014 World Cup. Most of them, most of those players, you thought would probably be their last World Cup, um, whether they made it in 2018 or not. So it, it was a really big ask to to overhaul this team and. I guess we'll see where they're at. But um yeah, Wales are gonna be tough for them. They get England second, and then Iran aren't really pushovers either. They've got Taremi, who's you know playing well for Porto in the Champions League and in Portugal. And they're a very, you know, defensive kind of setup team as well as Wales. So two teams that are really hard to break down that uh the US is gonna have to go after. So here's my counterpoint, because I, I I feel like we could probably Unless you want to vamp about England for a little bit. Um, here's oh, my yes. hot take. I think the U.S. is going to win this group. 
after I, I said there was no expectations, I am going to say I think I, I could see the U.S. winning this group. I'm very excited about that possibility. Because um, this team beat Mexico, baby. Like, beat them, owned them. Like, this team, is, despite how young this team is, it has lifted trophies in the last two, you know, major tournaments that it's played in coming off of the disappointment of that World Cup under Burhalter of all people. So I um because I, I, I like our midfielders, I think there's some really, really strong core uh in the center of the park. You've got Adams, McKinney, Christian Roldan, who I think a lot of people are gonna get a nice introduction to. Um really, really solid midfielder. If Burhalter actually Sounders. uses him. <laughs> You got Kellen Acosta, who just scored an MLS Cup for LAFC. He's kind of a weird one because I think a lot of men's national team fans don't like him, but I think he is consistent. Um, and I feel I feel less great about the center backs. I, I think Anthony Robinson um, is a good player. Aaron Long doesn't necessarily excite me. Um, I would have liked to have seen probably John Brooks come back for, for one last hurrah. Um, and then I'd be remiss if I don't mention this. I'm wearing a Richmond Kickers jacket. I work for the club. Matt Turner used to play for the Richmond Kickers, and now he's playing in the World Cup. And he's likely to be the starting goalkeeper uh, for the U.S. men's national team. So that's pretty sweet. A third division American soccer club has a former player playing in the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna to take the group because you're not going to score on Turner. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – you know, like moving moving on to England, I think that there's reason that a lot of people are down on them coming into this World Cup. And part of it is because this perception of Southgate ball has really persisted almost through into England's performances over the last year or so. Like they, they can't score goals unless it's a penalty. Um, they crashed out of the Nations League and got relegated to what, whatever the, the sub tier is in that competition. But, I mean, they're by far the most talented on-paper team in this group. And I, I think coming into tournament football, a lot of it has to do with, you know, who are the players that man- the manager trusts, who are the players that can play out the system, and who are the players that really understand what it's like to to play for England and handle that pressure. And I, I think he's got a squad of players who can do it. I understand why a lot of people were upset with the defensive selections as well. John Stones, Eric Dyer, Harry Maguire, none of them are really in form. I have no idea why Connor Cody is in this squad when Fakayo Tomori is available. Um, uh, they said that Cody's there for vibes. Right. Connor Cody's there for vibes, but like... And as a vibes analyst, vibes are important. Right. The XV is going to be good in the camp because Connor Cody's there. Yeah. But but then they've got this right back situation where it's, it's probably going to be trippier instead of... Reese James, who there was a lot of excitement about because he's been playing so well for Chelsea. And I I think the my main problem with Southgate is usually the way that he starts and the way that he's finished these tournament runs. So in the group stages at the Euros, there was so much excitement going into it. And then England would just, they, it seemed like they were squeaking out these 1-0 wins against teams they very well could have battered. That Croatia game, England looked much the better team for most of the match. And at the end of it, they were holding on. The Czech Republic, they only won 1-0. Scotland, they drew 0-0. Um, this 
this sort of conservatism and not like unwillingness to go forward and leave yourself open is, is what I'm worried about, especially in a group like this where, you know, some, some of the teams that you're playing against will prefer to play that way against you. Um, Wales, Iran in particular, but the United States is a little bit of a wild card. And that game comes in right in the middle of the group stage uh, at a time when both of those teams will probably be looking for, you know, points in some manner or another, whether they're trying to win the group at that point or whether they're trying to stay alive after the first game. It's just, there, there are reasons that I'm nervous as an England fan going into this, but I still think that they're, they're capable and they're going to win the group. Agree also, disagree. <laughs> also, let Rashford and Shaw cook on that left-hand side. I think against the U.S. Yes. especially. That... I, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention, as a Manchester United fan, that part is very exciting as well. Because um, Luke, Luke Shaw had an incredible Euros. And at one point, you know, the Shawberto Carlos, like, that was fun. And at, at one point, I don't think it, you – you didn't even necessarily have a tinge of irony in your voice when you're saying that Luke Shaw's a top three left back in the world um, during that period. Um, fell off a little bit. He seems like he's back. He looks like he's really fit. Uh, he's been combining well on the left side for United. Um, and he's kind of taken his position back with two hands after Tyrell Molassia had a had a nice little spell there, um, who also made the Netherlands squad. So that part's nice, right, I believe, yeah. Yeah, lots of United players to watch this World Cup. That's uh, lots of United players to watch. Um, and, I, you know, Rashford's in, in pretty solid form right now. And I, I think, um, considering some of the players that are on that forward line, I think Southgate might feel pretty encouraged to play him and give him some minutes. And if he can replicate some of the goal-scoring success that he's had or at least the chance creation um, that he's enjoyed um, in this kind of – second half of the first quarter of the season, um, which I guess would be one the second eighth just of the season. Just the first third of the season. Let's just go with that. Guys, don't <laughs> don't make me do math. Um could be really vibey, you know. Would love to see the Prime Minister do work. Yeah. So and I think Jude Bellingham as well, who we all just gush about when we get the chance. And um he I think he's going to start. And I think that's going to be a really big shift for England's midfield because if you pair him with Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips, rather than pairing Rice and Calvin Phillips, that gives you somebody who carries the ball and charges forward that keeps, you know, whoever plays in that number 10 spot, usually Mason Mount or um, possibly Jack Grealish when it switches to kind of a three, four, three, um, that gets that player involved much more often earlier in the game rather than later when England are kind of looking for goals to kill the game off. Um, I think Jude Bellingham's the key for this. And I think him as a midfield talent really needs to, England needs someone like that to show out, especially in a group like this where they need to assert dominance early and get the job done and not go into the third game needing three points. I'd say the the people who don't watch German football, when they finally get to watch Jude Bellingham cook, man, oh, he is going to cost so much money for whichever team purchase him <laughs> purchases him from Dortmund. Because this is, I mean, this is one of those th- things where, uh, and maybe we'll, we'll we'll discuss it. You know, who might be that player that shows out and gets bought in January because of their World Cup performance? Bellingham's think, not yeah. going to get sold in January, but in the summertime, he's going to get that he, hype though. 
all people are going to remember is the World Cup, and then you know if Dortmund does anything this year. I mean, God, he's yeah. so he's so talented. It's unbelievable that um, he went from Birmingham to to Dortmund and and not United, United. Could, just could not make it happen. Yeah. So rip. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh so we are going to take a break real quick and then we'll be back to preview the rest of the groups. Um I don't a lot think faster. I yeah, I don't <laughs> think we'll have as much to say about the rest of the groups. <laughs> but... <laughs> And we're back, and we're on to Group C. Uh, Argentina, Poland, Mexico, Saudi Arabia. I read those in the order that I have them. Um, what What do you think, Nathan? Do you think that Do you think that those wins over Mexico were as meaningful for the quality of this U.S. team as as it was for you know just the symbolism of kind of winning in those North American groups? Because that has always been the rivalry at the top of CONCACAF. And I, I think that while Mexico have had a dip in form over the last couple of years, and they've also kind of gone through this reconfiguring of figuring out what they are as a team after a lot, losing a lot of these veterans, but I still think that they've got quite a lot of talent. Um, may, maybe not enough to make noise at the world cup anymore, but still. Um. Obviously, Mexico is talented, and that's a country that absolutely loves its football and has that expectations to do well. Um, I definitely have Argentina winning this uh, group. And I don't want to sound like just a boring pundit, but I'm going to kind of lean on, like, one player. Uh, I mean, Poland's got Robert Lewandowski. And I like... I guess this is a basketball metaphor at this point. I, I just like like when you need a goal, you can lean on somebody. And this is absolutely yeah. not an excuse that we're going to use in Group H. Um, but I, re- <laughs> I really like Lewandowski's in form. He is. He's a go get me second. a bucket kind of player at the international level. It's, it's just yeah. like a question of whether Se- second, Poland can get the ball up to him. Yeah. Second best striker in the world. Probably, you know, best striker. In, in the World Cup because the other guy, his his country didn't make it. Um, I I think for those reasons, are you excluding Kareem came... Benzema? Oh yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know though. Let, let's not make the podcast longer than it has to be. But I, you know, what... either way, you're going to be happy if you got Benzema or, or Lewandowski. Those are two bucket getters. And right. in the analogy I'm using, I'm expecting Poland to Portugal themselves into the knockout rounds solely because they've got a supreme bucket getter. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I think that gives them the edge over a team like Mexico, who yep. I, I are definitely more talented than Saudi Arabia. Um, sorry to I think the Saudis, but I think you're Me- finishing Mexico's fourth. in the same situation as the United States. This is, this is a World Cup to figure out what your foundation looks like for 2026 because they will be one of the co-hosts for that. There will be a lot of expectations on that team. There are good players on that team, but I think, yeah, they're they're in transition. Um, mm-hmm. The positive thing for them is they get to transition while still playing in the World Cup, unlike what the United States did in 2018, where they transitioned by not right. having a World Cup. So it'll, it'll be a good experience tournament. You know what? I might eat my words on this because they do have talented players and they just 
overpower somebody. But I think I think Poland does it. Yeah, and they they do still have players from that you know the the 2018 World Cup, Hector Herrera, um, Raul Jimenez, Carlos Vela. These these are still players that they lean on. Irving Lozano, I think Edson Alvarez is. Uh, an addition to their midfield that maybe they needed somebody who can kind of sit back and try and control the game or help them control the game. But um, yeah, defensively well, going, back, going back to my fourth and fifth year, senior college basketball metaphor. Uh, <laughs> most of those players you just named for Mexico are all guys who this is probably their last world cup. So yeah, I think Vela Jimenez, especially um, yeah. they're going to be mid to late thirties, but, uh, and someone who, uh, is World Cup goaded? Who this is almost certainly his last World Cup. Um, Guillermo Ochoa. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? He's the kind of goalkeeper. Um, I'm I'm gonna avoid making a hockey metaphor. Um, but he sometimes he just has that game where you cannot get one by him. Yeah, he catches and... fire at tournaments, which is why he's never played for like a major club or anything outside of. North America, but for Mexico, there's there's nobody who's been able to supplant him. Yeah. Secretary of Defense. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Argentina with Leo Messi, probably his last World Cup. They're coming off a Copa America win last year in which they relied a lot on hardworking team defense. Um, they've got some really good young players. I don't know um Lissandra Martinez maybe won't get the start oh. but he, he he I feel like he needs to the form that he's been in for Manchester United um I I I don't really see how you start um Otamendi over him I think it's probably him and Christian Romero that should be the back the center back pairing you know and this is like a fun scouting opportunity that we get to have considering United have to play Barcelona in the Europa League when we come back from this thing <laughs> So kind of kind of see how Lissandra does against uh, Robert and where where some uh, improvements could be made or um, Argentina stacked. I think they're really yeah. good. I think they sh- I think they should be one of the favorites to win this thing. Um, for the vibes reasons of this is this is the goat's last ride. Like we got to get this one for Messi so that way he can be there with Maradona um, in the. I mean, he's already in the pantheon of right. Argentine soccer, but like, let's get him to Maradona status um, and the effect that he's had on the game in that country um, and just in general in the world. Um, I, I mean, I think he's in the best form now that he's been in for probably four or five years now. Uh, and part of that, yeah. I mean, of course, he's playing at PSG with Mbappe and Neymar, but he's just like a creative machine. There, There was... Uh, an expected threat graph the other day. It was like a scatter plot of players, and Messi was just far and away in the top right corner of of these players, even at the age that he's at. He's, yeah, I I, I love Leo Messi. I I hope he does well at this World Cup. I hope I get to see him a lot um, further into the tournament than we did in 2018. But uh, yeah, and so I've got Argentina, like- Poland going through from that one. Yeah, if you feel like editing in some barking noises, because Argentina's got dogs, so. <laughs> they've all got that dog in it. Yeah, they they're gonna. I, I'm really excited to watch watch them play this year. So, all right. So Group D, uh, Denmark, France, the two 
projected teams to go through France, of course, the defending champions. So which that, I mean, that means that they're not going to make it to the knockout stage because they are the defending champions and that's just how the world cup works. Hmm. I have no reason to believe that despite the fact that France is going through a little bit of an injury crisis, uh, the most recent one, uh, which was really unfortunate to see was uh, Nkunku going out in training in Qatar. Um, he's such an exciting player to watch for Leipzig. He's somebody that I, you know, we as United fans need to sort of kind of keep our eye on. Uh, there have been links before. Um, so it's a bummer that we're not going to be able to see him. Um, I think Didier Deschamps is one of the best vibes managers because France is a team of superstars and they just out muscled people in the 2018 world cup. They played solid defense and then they had guys that got buckets and you're going to have Kylian Mbappe, Karen Benzema. Yes. You know, that, that midfield pairing that they had of like Blaise Matuidi and, and Conte and Pogba, like that's all gone. But you've got these other players that maybe they just they're good enough to play for Real Madrid. So why don't they step up right now in the World Cup? Guys like Kamavinga, yeah. And France, France has an embarrassment of riches because even if there's guys who are a little bit older or guys that have gotten injured, they just they have the deepest bench of probably any country. So. I think I think people have wanted to throw some dirt on them, and I think they're going to win the group. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's reasons to be high on Denmark. Uh, they had a great year of run to the semifinal last time around, and that was without Christian Eriksen, who now comes back into the side after his incredible recovery. But like you said, France has so much depth, and on top of that, they have two of the most informed forwards in the world in Karim Benzema and Kylian Mbappe, who bucket getters yeah i mean there's they're just dudes you know they they get they get the job done mbappe had a bad euros but i i don't know i i can see how the absence of paul pogba will have perhaps a bigger effect than maybe people are thinking about just because of the role that he played in advancing the ball forward to some of those guys but at the same time like you said, Kamavinga and Chuameni, that's a that's a fine pivot to fall back on. I think both of those guys are really good and they're gonna have to grow into this at some point anyway for France as they move forward yeah. and look to you know building their next generation. So well, it, it, it probably pushes France to build build out wide as opposed to in the middle then. Because you've got guys like Teo Hernandez who can race up and down as a fullback and then link play with a guy like Kylian Mbappe. Um I, w- I would think France, it, worst case scenario, they could play some kind of counterattacking football if they wanted to let a team try and break them down. And then, God forbid, you get a fast break in your France. I mean, I, I don't know how you stop that. Yeah. All right. So we so we got France and Denmark going through. Sorry to Australia and Tunisia. Um, yeah. I, I can see them potentially pulling off an upset. I, I mean – it, it could also be the case that Denmark was a fluke last time around and they were riding high, you know, on, on emotion and, thing, and things like that and adrenaline. But I, I mean, I, they've got Danish Ochoa and goal. Yeah. Yeah. They're still a really good team and Christian Eriksen makes them better when he comes back in. So, and make, make sure you guys watch Tunisia play so that way you can watch Hannibal. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, man. 
Yeah. Man, that's yeah, that's there's a really so many play. United players. Man, there's a lot of United players here. All right, all right. Yeah. So so next group, um Spain, Germany, Japan, Costa Rica. Uh, this I think this group is tougher than it looks because Germany and Spain are teams, especially over the last decade, that you just look at and think, yeah, those those are the guys that are going through. And I still think that they probably will, but Japan are kind of sneaky good, especially going forward with players like Kubo and Ito, who have really kind of started making a name for themselves in Europe. Uh, Daichi Kamada for uh, what German team is the one that won the Europa League? Was it is that Frankfurt? Yeah, Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Daichi Kamada has been great for them, and they also have Wataru Endo, who has been kind of uh, analytics people. Uh, player to watch over the last few years in Bundesliga. So uh, they definitely have talent that they can make things happen. And I think they they were almost on the verge at the last World Cup of kind of making some upsets happen. They had that game against Belgium that came back on them eventually. But um, yeah, I, I I would like to see Japan get out of this group, mostly because I don't I don't really like Germany. And I don't, I, I don't want to watch England play them again. I was too nervous the last time around, even though they won. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I'd say in this group, the thing that hurts Costa Rica the most is they're not playing at home. Um, a notoriously difficult CONCACAF team to play when yeah. they host a game. Um, or when they play in whatever city has the most snow in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, Denver, I believe, in that case. Um, as far as Group B is concerned, uh, Spain is probably my pick that I don't feel good about to win the whole thing. Yeah, um, I just don't like Murata as their, their center forward. Like, can they really not do any better than that? Um, I don't think they can. I mean, honestly, it there's so much talent on that team everywhere else that I think all you need to do is have Murata be in the right place at the right time, which I think you can do that for a tournament. Um, the mid the midfield's good. There's, I there's talent all over the place. Um, on that team, especially, um, like Pedri, Gavi. Yeah, it, I all guess these guys that are still, coming yeah. from yeah from Barcelona. Uh, the Barcelona midfielders are are exceptional players. Um, Germany's going to be really interesting to watch because 2018 was really really disappointing. Um, so they've got that. Uh, new manager, uh, which is exciting. Um, no more Yogi Low p- uh, picking boogers. Uh, thank God. Um, and Germany is definitely, again, they're they've got a nice mix of young talent and older talent. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they bleed the the young guys in because I think Germany's on a cycle now where they should have expectations to probably be a favorite in 2026. Um, yeah. I, I think players like Musiala, I mean, I would expect him to start uh, the way that he's been playing for Bayern. Um, and I could even see maybe like Dortmund's Yusufa Makuku or Makoku coming in at forward because I mean, that's not an area where Germany have really had someone stand out. Even in the years where they were playing really good, Miroslav Klose was still in this, in the side as as an older player because he was the guy who could just get the goals for Germany. 
Thomas Muller is getting a little bit older, but he's also another one of those like really dynamic attackers that you could probably still expect something from. But um, yeah, I, I think this team still has a strong spine and especially um, Manuel Neuer still being around and in really good form helps out a defense that's kind of reworking and figuring out well, what do they do post Jerome Boateng, Mats Hummels. Yeah, um, I, th- I think the defense is going to be not the one that you remember, um, but I, I think they make up for it with obviously the goalkeeper, and then the, the midfield is going to be super strong. I mean, it's a cheat code having Joshua Kimmich in your team, and yeah. and they do. Um, and if they need to, they have outlet valves if they're being pressured. Um, you got. Leroy Sané, you've got Serge Gnabry, like those are two of the fastest players in the World Cup, two of the most competent forwards at their positions as far as um, being able to take on defenders, race past defenders, uh, create and shoot. Um, and get into multiple areas at... too. I mean, they're they're not just get out wide, but they can cut in and they're really good on the ball. Yeah, and if we want to talk about vibes, Mario Goetz is back, baby. Super is he, Mario. Is he still playing for PSV? Uh no, I believe he is back in Germany. Hmm. Yeah, he plays for Eintracht Frankfurt. Interesting. Yep. Well, there you go. He's good for the I I think he's the, good the, the World Vibes. Cup winner. Yeah. I mean, he's had a really up and down career, which has been unfortunate to watch because he was one of those like golden boys who had all this expectation placed on them when they were like 17, 18, 19 and breaking through at Dortmund. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, a dark horse too for your golden golden boot winner for the World Cup could be Nicholas Fulkrug. Uh, I believe he plays for Werder Bremen. Um, he, he's really, really in form right now. And so if you can get the ball to him uh, and let him kind of just cook, it'd be really interesting. I feel bad we haven't really talked about Costa Rica yet. It's almost, it's like, oh, there's these other three teams uh, and none for Gretchen Wieners. Um, they, they are they kind of Taylor the Navas. same. I feel like they're the same team that they were in 2014 when they kind of surprised people. They've still got Joel Campbell. They've still got Brian Ruiz. They've still got Kaylor Navas. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is, this is one of those moments, like, Handle my heart, guys. I'm sorry. I, I didn't do my research on Co- Costa Rica, but I didn't feel like I needed to on this group. I think it's fake Germany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So group F. And also CONCACAF bias. <laughs> <laughs> so group F. Uh, Canada, Croatia, Belgium, Morocco. I'm I, I'm high on Canada. Um, do you? I know we've already shouted out friend of the show, Aaron Moniz, but, uh, you know, Canada back in the World Cup, and uh, they looked really good. They blazed through CONCACAF. They were by far the best team, I thought. Um, hey, did, did I make it? No, I think I, I I I put pen to paper in our group chat, and I, I said it with my chest. Canada. Canada's... I think they win the group. I could see it. I mean, Croatia They is... are tenacious. They are young. They are talented. Um, and Belgium and Croatia, I think, are past their cycles of winning. Like, either one of those teams could surprise people just because of the sheer volume of experience that they have. Um, 
But who on Belgium excites you outside of like Kevin De Bruyne? Who excites you on Croatia right now? Those are all guys that four years ago you were like, hell yeah, this team has a real shot of winning this tournament. And this year you're like, yeah. There's... I don't remember the last time I watched this person do anything in a club game that made me think, yeah, yeah this this team's going to be formidable. These are Croatia and Belgium are both teams that didn't get like a hard, not a hard reset, but like a refreshment that teams like Spain, Canada, or not Canada, teams like Spain, England, Germany, France, you can expect those guys to have people waiting in the wings just because there's so much investment in the structure of football and the international level of, you know, they're scouting these players out by the time they're 15, 16, who's going to be coming in and who's going to be talented enough to step in. You haven't really seen Belgium and Croatia able to replace those star players. And in some cases, you there there's reason that they haven't gotten out yet. I mean, Luka Modric is still one of the best midfielders in the world at the age of, what what is he now, 37? I mean, a million. Yeah, he, he's going to play forever. He's incredible. Kevin De Bruyne, still great for Belgium. But some of these other players like Eden Hazard. Who? The other Hazards. <laughs> They haven't replaced Marouane Fellaini yet. Who's the big lad that they can shove forward when they're down 2-0? Hope it. Yeah. What Axel they, Witzel. What they, yeah. they still have Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld starting in defense. It is, it is a wild, wild team. Like, you look at this Belgium roster right now and you're like, oh my god, if it was 2016, this team is running through the World Cup. But it's just like, whoa, baby, these guys are... Not not dudes that I expect to do much outside of the group stage if they do if they do make it out. I will say too, I don't know a whole lot about Morocco. I've just kind of assumed that they're not gonna be as good as you know Belgium, Croatia, Canada. But the way that Belgium is kind of vulnerable, I could see Morocco maybe you know hanging tight and getting getting a result against them. I, I I, th- I think a, a factor for Belgium we haven't really talked about, though, is that Lukaku is still a good forward in this system, and he's been back at Inter and kind of getting his confidence back. Um, he, I think he's had some injury troubles, but for the most part, I mean, he's somebody you can expect to to finish chances if he gets them. So, yeah. But watch, yeah, out, watch out for the Canucks. Yeah, I've got Croatia and Canada going through from this group. We're doing we're doing shots of maple syrup next week, boys. <laughs> okay, Group G. Uh, Brazil, Cameroon, Serbia, Switzerland. Man, we're getting a a rekindling of this Serbia Switzerland rivalry because the that was that was the game where uh, was it Xhaka and Shakiri did the like the bird celebration thing because of the the war of. Uh, the Yugoslavia breaking up in the 90s and all of the different you know political and ethnic fallout relations from that um so yeah uh keep an eye on that if that potentially happens again uh we we won't get too much into um you know Balkan nationalism because uh, there's not enough time and we're already running out. But um, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got Brazil and Serbia going through this group. I think Brazil wins comfortably. Um, they're a team with Another a lot favorite. of players in form, and they've also got you know Fred Casemiro pivot, which 
Um, By the way, did you see that clip that came out today of Casemiro like going studs out in a rondo against Richarlson? Like, you want somebody <laughs> having that dog in you? Against <laughs> your own teammate days before man, the World Cup begins. 100 miles an hour. It doesn't matter when. If there's a ball in front of him, he is going. Yeah. Dog. And and then, of course, for Man United, they also have Anthony, who I would expect to play uh, on the right of whatever setup that they have. Neymar's been in really good form. He's probably going to play a little bit more central. Um, Gabriel Jesus for Arsenal, he's been really great. I mean, this is... Uh, uh, Pauly mentioned it, I think, the last time we podcasted that their fullbacks are a weak point because Alex Tellez. But... Um, I mean, hey, that's it's probably... weird. Like they're they're the ones who created the wing back, and now all of a sudden, yeah, Danny Alves is still in the squad, and he's he is actually a million years old. Yeah, he's he's older than Luka Modric, who's a million years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, apart from that, though, I I expect Brazil to win pretty comfortably. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry to other friend of the show, Vincian. I don't have Cameroon going through. Um, I did I did pick them to finish above Switzerland, though. Um, I just think that Serbia has got too many kind of up and coming players. Uh, they've got, so here, Sorry, here's go my interjection. Like I need Switzerland to advance because I have the Dennis Zakaria card. In FIFA <laughs> <Ultimate> team. <laughs> I'm impressed though. It's taken a while to come back to bringing FIFA into the conversation. Oh, don't worry. It's coming back in group H. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of group H, um, well, hold on. We could talk about Serbia for half a second. Okay. You want to talk about hoofing it to the big lads? I mean, hey, Dusan Vlavic. <laughs> he, he's not just a, a big lad, though. He's a... He's a, a baller. Yeah, he, he's good. I know Juventus haven't I, been that Imagine good this getting year, but... rid of Ronaldo and then getting him. Like, what a glow up <laughs> at that one position. Yeah. I, I mean, their biggest problem so far is they haven't kept um, Paolo Dybala, who had an excellent strike partnership with him the last half of last season. And now that Dybala's gone to Roma, Juventus has kind of struggled. I mean, they've got Arkadiusz Milik, who is fine, but he's kind of used to playing as a lone forward and playing in partnership with Vlavic has been, um, you know, mixed results at best, I guess we'll say. But Juventus have plenty of problems under Max Allegri anyway. Yeah, what I'm really excited about to watch Serbia I finally get to watch Sergei Milinkovic Savage play a game of soccer because <laughs> to this point, I've always just assumed he was an NFT or something. Like I've never, he's a player I see in FIFA. He's a player that we're constantly linked with, but I don't know if I've ever really ever watched a game of him playing, playing football. So very excited to watch him, especially considering I know how talented his FIFA card is. So it's just like, I, I would like, I would like to see him in practice. So um, I mean, excited it's, to do scouting and for us to inevitably be the link to him again. Right. So they don't have, I don't think they have Nemanja Matic this time around, but there's, there's other players in midfield that you would know. Philip Kostic, kind of the wing back who helped Frankfurt win the Europa League last year. I think he's actually, yeah, he's at Juventus now. Um, Dusan Tadic, kind of a more attacking kind of player, plays for Ajax, who's, who's done well. Sergei Milinkovic Savic, of course. And then Ivan Illich, um, yeah, I, this this is a this is a decent team. And yeah, I was I was listening to the Football Ramble uh, on the On the Continent podcast uh, on Thursday, and and Andy Brassel um, of the Guardian, 
I think. Um, he he's got Serbia as as his dark horse. I think. I think I think they'll be interesting to watch. I mean, yeah. I, I think they'll be fun. Brazil definitely going to run away with this group, but. I don't know if Serbia gives Brazil a game. I think that's one of those like, oh, <laughs> watch out, guys! <laughs> Start shifting your money if you're a better. Um, all right, Group H, the the last group, we've got Ghana, Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay. Is this the group of death, or is Group B the group of death? I don't know. Group Group B is tough. Group B is tough. Group B is tough. Um, Uruguay's funny because it's like they've also got oldies. Like <laughs> they've still like, got hey Cavani guys, we, and Suarez in the squad. Yeah, check out the strike partnership. Who's combined or like average age is thirty seven. Diego um, Godin is going. He's a million years old still. Yeah, but they also have some other really really exciting players and, and guys mm-hmm. like Valverde. Um, I, I guess people are down on him, but I've always thought that Lucas Torreira is pretty decent. Um, uh, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Jimenez, who's going to be uh, probably the other uh, center back right next to Godin. Like they've got, they've got some good players. So, um, Portugal, if they take the Ten Hag approach and don't try and feed everything to Ronaldo, that team should like kick the shit out of people. And if they try and be like, this is Ronaldo's last world cup, we got to make sure that he looks good. Uh, they're going to find themselves in some problems. So, yeah, I mean, they've still uh, got, was it Santos is their manager who won the Euro in 2016 with them doing the kind yeah. of defensive approach. And they've just kind of stuck with that. And during that time, I would say that Portugal have evolved into a team full of, players creators it would be super disappointing if they if they try and bunker and and bomb it forward and just try and be like all right what can ronaldo do um again i remember in 2014 when the u.s was about to beat portugal and they ran that ball right up the wing crossed it in and equalized and it 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 broke my heart um but portugal's really good like they've Mm -hmm. got really good players like they should play well, right? Right. right. Um, and again, Manchester United fans, we have a lot to watch in this game. Like you've got Diego Dallo, you've got Bruno, um, and those are the only two Manchester United players still on Portugal. Um, <laughs> you you got guys like Jao Cancelo, you've got Ruben Dias, you've got um, Diego Jota, you've got Bernardo Silva, like this is a really, really stacked team. And if they try and feed the ball through Ronaldo, I think it'd be really funny if they don't make it out of the group because a team like South Korea, you know, plays team soccer. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, Son Heung Min, I know he had the, the the eye problem that kept him out for Tottenham their last few games, but he is expected to play for South Korea. Obviously, things are going to kind of depend on him whether they get through but they're still you know a a team that has the talent to go forward and finish chances Ghana are really interesting uh if if you haven't already I would recommend watching Tifo's group previews they do a great tactical breakdown of all the teams and in this in the group H1 uh Carl Anka friend of the show comes in and gives a really good update on Ghana and 
uh, talks a little bit about uh, the recruitment trail that they've been on over the past year because Ghana are not necessarily the same team that qualified for the World Cup as they are going into the World Cup now with the number of players who have dual nationalities that were able to um, you know, pick Ghana over teams like Spain. Um, so, yeah, and also Ghana have this beef with Uruguay that they need to settle <laughs> after Luis Suarez had the handball goal to to prevent them from getting to the semifinal in the 2010 World Cup. Man, it was really that long ago, the 2010 World Cup. Anyway. I was, I was a much younger man. <laughs> yes, I was not a man I, yet. <laughs> was I... The 2010 World Cup, I don't even know that I could grow a beard yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm nearly 32. Look at me. Yeah. But but, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I had a really tough time picking this group. I don't think that Uruguay makes it out. I think one of Korea or Ghana get in instead of them. And then probably Portugal has the talent to, to win or finish second in this group. Um, as much as I don't like Ronaldo, they were still a team at the Euros that could score without the, or, you know, by bypassing some of those problems that Ronaldo gives them. And they were still in I didn't it against those Belgium. They have Jao well. Felix. Yeah. They, they don't have to play Ronaldo at center forward if they didn't want to, and they could probably be yeah. better for it. But you know, you know what would be good for Portugal? Don't play Ronaldo. And then, oh God, we need a goal. Maybe still consider not playing Ronaldo. But if you had to, last 10 minutes. Yeah, just throw him on. He, he can make some shit happen, maybe. Look, um, I, I don't claim to know more than a real licensed football manager that has won the 2016 Euros. But listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> we I, I don't know. We might have watched more Man United than he has. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, all right. So that that's our uh, FIFA group preview kind of you know we were hoping to have Polly and potentially a guest for this one but it's been a busy week for me and um I'm, I'm glad we were still able to get it in and i hope that nathan and i have um been entertaining for you over the past i guess this will be about an hour podcast i think we've been entertaining right yeah yeah i would say so yeah i mean you know it you might find yourself, especially if you're one of our one of our listeners in the states, you're going to have a little bit more free time this upcoming week. So you're going to be burning through pods because you're just killing time because you're not necessarily at work. And so I, I hope we provided you some entertainment. Also, stay tuned for our. Um, we're going to do a special episode of the of the podcast, right, uh, Colin, where we just talk about uh, the first season of Andor. Oh, that's yeah. soccer related. Oh yeah, and also probably uh, so we'll do that for part one, and then part two we'll just talk about England USA. Yeah, you know what's the best part about this podcast that we just did? We didn't talk about that Ronaldo interview at all. Well, um, I guess I'll plug. I wrote about it this morning, so I got most of my thoughts out there. Um, <laughs> I didn't really feel the need to talk about it, but yeah, we yeah we don't need to talk about that. I will say this. If you try to body shame the goat, you best not miss. And Ronaldo missed. Now, now Rooney's walking so the red silly, carpet. 
with yeah no cristiano ronaldo literally took a twitter meme and co-opted it into an interview with piers morgan and the sun to try and lash back at somebody who he called him a rat too which was just really weird the whole thing is childish we don't need to get into it anyway yeah um oh uh, update for the listeners too um I, I clicked next on, on Aaron's uh, World Cup bracket after putting together the groups. So, as it stands, my round of 16, Netherlands versus England, Argentina versus Denmark, Spain versus Belgium, Brazil versus South Korea, U.S. versus Senegal, uh, France against Poland, Canada against Germany, Portugal against Serbia. We that's, get into the quarters. That's a juicy round of 16. I'll tell you what, we got a really juicy quarterfinals. Argentina, England. Oof. Ooh, battle for the, uh, the Falkland does, Islands. Does right? Messi still have it in his legs to score a Maradona goal by running through eight England players? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I got Brazil, Spain, France, United States, Serbia, Germany. Semifinals, real juicy. Argentina, Brazil. Can you imagine? Like, it's not fair because that should be a final. Right, that's one but of those this is the world like, cup. Man, the fu- yeah, it's like the um, <laughs> that that you know, would have been the 2014 final if Tiago Silva and Neymar weren't injured. Maybe. Yeah. Um, other semifinal game: France, Germany, and then final. It's 2014 all over again, baby. We got Argentina, Germany, but Messi gets the cup. Yeah. So in, in my bracket, I picked somehow it ended up. Well, I guess you picked USA to win the group, so that's how it would be different for you. But I had England and U- or England oh, yeah, and Argentina meeting in the final, and I picked Argentina to win because, I don't know, England feels cursed even though I'm confident in them. But anyway. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Guys, I'm excited. We'll, yeah. World Cup, baby. Um, we'll, we'll try and do like, more yeah. recordings <laughs> in the future. We'll, we're going to try and kind of get this semi-regularly throughout the World Cup. We'll see how things go in the group stage, how we're going to be able to schedule that, because the rounds are Should we do kind a live watch-along of, of the uh, England-US game? I'm sure. going to be near blackout drunk during that game, but... Well, it's, hey, it's Black Friday, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's Blackout Friday. Um, they have specials at your drink- local bar. <laughs> just going to be drinking Baileys and coffee all morning until it's just Baileys in the cup. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of waking up is Bailey's in your cup. <laughs> I mean, during the holiday season, hell yeah, it is. Especially with all those Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah. But yeah, thank, thank but, uh, you guys for listening. We we will plan to do more of these podcasts. Uh, we, we didn't really do them keeping up with the Euros because we had a lot going on that summer. But um, we're excited to do this. And um, yeah, just, just ready to watch some football. I, I promise when Weston McKinney scores for the United States against England, I will chug a Bud Zero. <laughs> we'll we'll see about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold all my shit talking to the next preview podcast, but we we will get to that. All right, we'll see. You guys oh my later. god, I can't wait to talk to Carl. 